deal with maskne, among other important things we'll be dealing with this hour. I'm sorry, did you just make up a word? Maskne. It's like acne, but it's a skin irritation due to wearing your mask all the time. Oh. So they call it maskne. I think you're tracking. Maskne? I think you're tracking with it. Uh, I don't don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, As masks become, uh, looks like, even more more prevalent around the country. Um, More on that later also. A Supreme Court... Uh, opinion has just come out on young undocumented immigrants. I'm seeing breaking news banners around on my phone and stuff like that. I haven't had a chance to look at what that is. But. Yeah, I'm trying to go to the places that actually know what they're talking about because virtually everything you hear for the next 40 minutes or so on mainstream media will be incorrect or badly interpreted. We'll have to dip back into the Joe Biden came out of his spidey hole yesterday and did a little talking and we'll see how that went. Wake up. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, boy. I'm telling you. Wake up. That has an emotional effect on me hearing that. You're hearing a man who is near the end. Thank you. Thank you. He can barely get his breath out. Check him for the COVID. Oh, yeah, uh, that reminds me. We got a note from uh, a bloke in Phoenix. Where is it? There it is. I'll just keep him anonymous. He had to do some flying. And uh, and he flew back and forth um, from Phoenix to Salt Lake City. And not long after, he starts feeling sicker than he's ever felt. And uh, while his email is ridiculously long, Al, geez, three full pages? He describes the, the drama of trying to get a COVID test. And, and he's, he's trying to deal with his county. He's trying to deal with the CVS that is alleged, allegedly doing tests. And his efforts to to just line up a test go on for hours, days, and he's getting the runaround. Finally, he shows up at the CVS. It's empty. There's nobody there. But they say you have to have an appointment. He's like, well, can you just do me now? You didn't. No, you got to make an appointment. So he tries to make an appointment, and they say, and and then he gets kicked out of the system. And he goes back, and they say, yeah, the system's not working. And it was just, it was like your your worst government healthcare nightmare. He can't go to the doctor? I thought they were, I, I thought if you had symptoms, they would, like, run you to the tests. I, I don't know. The guy's bright the enough to, to pen a pretty solid email. Mm. I think he would be able to exploit the, uh, you know, the opportunities that are out there. Um, but it sounds like a nightmare to me. Other places you just drive up, I guess. Mm. Um, uh, there was an attempt in the city of Portland to get a Chaz going, apparently late last night and early this morning, and it was broken up quickly by authorities, even in Portland, because I think they realized if you, if they, if they get a toehold, then it's just, it's a nightmare and we don't want to deal with that. Even if we agree with some of their stuff, that'd be my guess. Uh, you just, you just don't want what Seattle's dealing with. And so it was broken up very quickly. And so Portland doesn't, at least as of now, has no Chaz. Wow. But they still have a Chaz where Chaz exists in Seattle. It is so, Chaz. It's somewhat surprising that, that Portland would move so swiftly. Could it be that they witnessed uh, Freattle's descent into psychosis? And even the way lefties who run Portland said, that's a bridge too far. We don't have autonomous zones in Portland. We have tent cities and crazy people and bums shooting up on corners. But, and Antifa uh, stopping right. traffic regularly, and we let them get away with it. Right, right. But that that would be too much, apparently. Well, okay, I, good. that's fine. I mean, I prefer they are even less crazy than they are, because I love Portland, but... um. 
Anyway, that's an interesting development. So, uh, according to our friends at SCOTUS blog, uh, DACA... Oh, the majority said, the majority of the Supreme Court said the decision to to terminate DACA was arbitrary and capricious because the acting secretary's decision to terminate the program discussed the legality of the benefits associated with DACA but didn't discuss forbearance, the decision to defer removal, or whether there was legitimate reliance on the DACA memorandum, blah, 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 legally. So this Tell means a dumb DACA, guy like me what that means. DACA stands for now. And what is its current situation? It's uh, You don't get deported if you were brought to the country as a kid. Okay. And that will... Uh... And the acting secretary of Homeland Security, I think, had called for the end of DACA, and the soup said no. And that will continue to be the the law of the day. Uh, yeah, for now. Um, uh, Clarence Thomas dissented. He's unhappy. Under the auspices of today's decision, administrations can bind their successors by unlawfully adopting significant legal changes through executive branch agency memoranda. Oh, listen to him bring it. This is a little more pithy. Today's decision must be recognized for what it is, an effort to avoid a politically controversial but legally correct decision. That's uh, old uh, Clarence Thomas. Interesting. Yep. Uh, the the number out today, this happens every Thursday, 1.5 million workers claimed jobless benefits last week, marking 11th straight week of declines, which is a, a positive spin, and, and, and it is true, but it's still an extraordinary number. Um. Yeah, that's new claims. Yeah. Uh, the the feel, or at least, you know, in, in my part of the world and from what I read, is that, okay, we're opening back up. The economy's going again. Um, you know, we're, we're figuring out the social distancing and masks and the rest of it. We're trying to do it smart, but we're absolutely now moving forward. The idea that 1.5 million new people filed, that's rough, man. That's businesses that just ran out of gas. However. Probably. The Fed Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said today, he's already said, that the worst of the economic crisis caused by the coronavirus could nearly be over as businesses are reopening across the country. We may be reaching a bottom on that that now. So we're, we're at the bottom right now. I hope he's right. How long the bottom lasts, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the question. The V-shaped recovery versus the U-shaped, Jack, or the feared hockey stick, where it just goes straight for a long time at a low level. We don't know. We'll have to find out. Can uh, can I hear our Joe Biden clip again? Wake up. <laughs> Thank you. Obviously, Hanson, we <laughs> need to... killing me. That wake up needs to be a regular part of the intro to the show. That oh, needs yeah. to get in there. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Thank you. Is that, I'm sorry, I'm trying to understand the scenario. Was that one man who didn't quite succumb to carbon monoxide poisoning urging another man who has to wake up? Is that the first guy near death, apparently? Wake up. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. That's a gentleman who was found asleep in his car in the garage. Right, exactly. Yeah, he'd he'd, he'd fallen asleep after starting his car, and he's at risk of death. Thank God he's okay. I'm telling you, I'm having a gut caveman reaction to that. I hear a man near death. <laughs> I'm serious. I, what, I want to make sure I got his final wishes. What I'd really like to know is, 
was there a decision made, like you talked about, to like really low-key it? Things are frantic. Polls show people are being exhausted by the news cycle. I am. I was talking about it with my wife last night. Yes. I said, I just can't handle this anymore. The news cycle is killing me. She I said, I don't even look anymore. I know. Good, it's just, good it's a, for her. The, the, your, your brain reaches a point where you just can't take any more stimulus, and it's, it's a protective mechanism. Right. Um, to, 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 to ignore it and shut it down. If it's not like a bear trying to eat one of my children right now, I have to block it out. <laughs> I wonder, can you do a sabbatical in the, the entertainment business where you just go away for six months? <laughs> How about, folks, listen, we'll be back in late October. We're just going to take a couple of months off. But so, and it, it, so we don't go psychotic. But my question is, did they coach Biden on that and say extra low key? Yes. Or did he just come out? And that's just what he sounded like yesterday. Well, did if, they give him a pep talk and say high energy and he came out like this? Wake up. Thank you. I tell you what, it is clear his strategy is to be old calming Joe. Old bipartisan middle of the road Joe. All this craziness. Donald Trump, please. Come on, everybody. Return to normal times. You remember the 60s? Those were good times. Right. Well, maybe Come not. On, maybe that's everybody. a bad example. It was the 60s when I got elected to the Senate for the first time because I'm 100. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it's, it's clearly a strategy, but I don't know whether he just went a little too far there or if he's actually got uh, one foot in the grave. He sounds like he's dying. You know, a tangent, um, uh, I've heard a couple of people point this out recently, and it's absolutely true, and, and I think it's worth keeping in mind when we have all these discussions. Uh, when people refer to the 60s, what they really mean is like 67 through 73. That's, That's correct. what people mean when they refer to the 60s. I think you're right, yeah. S- the bulk of the 60s, 60 through 67, were quite placid mm-hmm. um, and like old-timey America. Right. Um, Your summer of love 1967 thing was mostly amusing. Uh, it's really like 67 through the early 70s is what people mean by the turbulent, chaotic, hippie, music, drugs, craziness. Right, right. Bombing 60s. Yeah. Yep, agreed. Um, but uh, I thought another thing, uh, the interview with Robert Gates yesterday, former sec def, former CIA chief, worked under, geez, what, seven different presidents or something like that? Old guy, been around a long time, and asked, is this as crazy as it's ever been? And he said, yeah. Absolutely. Uh-oh. So it's not just, you know, the imagination of the young. No wonder I'm so exhausted. Yeah, it's as crazy as it's been in a very, very long time. Um, th- I found this kind of calming, a fortune survey of CEOs and uh, some of their attitudes right now about uh, changing their companies for racial stuff or the economy and different things I found quite interesting. Okay. Among other things we could get to. Uh, we also had a number of people weighing in about uh, their wives or husbands and the way they react when they're doing the... Uh, the non-driving portion of going somewhere. The backseat driver. Thing. Oh, no. Kind of funny. Marital strife. I hate to hear that. <laughs> Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. some point ought to mention the Bolton book that is, is it out or not out? Or? Well, it's not out officially, but all sorts of copies have been leaked. It doesn't matter. Nobody reads these books. People dig through to get the juicy chunks that back their narrative and uh, talk Everybody about them. talks about them like crazy for two days. <laughs> for Yeah, for a day and a half. <laughs> and then nobody reads them and it goes away. That's yeah. what happens book after book after book. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that uh, maybe next segment. Okay. There's some interesting stuff in there, and, and the fact, well, <laughs> what's most notable to me is that everybody on all sides is kicking John Bolton for being a weasel. Um, but anyway, 
Uh, more of that to come. Quick aside, the left is so good at at imposing uh, how we talk about things. Uh, they're way better than the right, and it's bothered me for a long time. For instance, I'm in the uh, the the lunchroom getting some caffeine juice, and Fox News is reporting on the uh, the DACA decision that just came down, and they refer to the DACA dis- uh, uh, recipients as dreamers. Dreamers get to stay, or whatever. That that is a term. That's a PR spin term invented by the left to make all of this who smart. Who could be against the, a dreamer? All of this brilliant, by the way. We've Good suggested idea. calling DACA recipients precious fairy dust angels. I mean, that's only slightly more ridiculous than dreamers. That's a but good idea. Fox News has adopted that that uh, verbiage, that nomenclature. Okay. That is a win if you're uh, of yep. that belief. Yep. Michael mentioned his fiance uh, making noises while he was driving, and he was afraid something horrible would happen. We got this text. My wife taught me gasping and grasping the dash with both hands, without explanation, unnerves every driver, including this great one. Uh, so she's a gasp and grasp the dash with both hands. My wife does that fairly regularly. My too. wife has done that, too. I have urged her repeatedly, sweetheart, if we are in danger, the last thing in the world you want to do is lean forward. <laughs> All right? Let your let your belt keep you in place. Oh, boy. And we're not um, in danger, by the way. Uh, oh, my gosh. And then you look around and everything like that, and somebody spilled an ice cream car, uh, ice cream cone. I've had that experience oh, yeah. many times. Yeah! Oh! We're about to be hit by a truck. Oh, no. Somebody spilled something in the backseat. Yeah. We need yeah. we need different sound effects for these things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Internal issue, not external threat. Um, Fortune survey. 62% of CEOs plan policy changes in response to the current calls for racial justice. This is a survey of CEOs around the country on a number of topics. Uh, but 62% policy changes due to the social unrest. There's hardly a website I've been to, whether it's jeans or music, or whatever, where they don't have some sort of hashtag where with the protests, or lots of we support Black Lives Matter, which shocks me, because if you go to Black Lives Matter website, there's all kinds of stuff on there that a majority of the country absolutely does not support. Right. Um, so it's interesting to me that mainstream outlets are so free with their support of uh, of that. Well, I think just to stay out of trouble, every stovetop stuffing and running shoe and jean and guitar string is just making it clear we're uh, we're down with the peeps. Are there people that actually look for that and won't do business with a corporation that hasn't posted something like it? Because I, I don't, don't even think of it. If I need to buy something, that's all that's, that's on your my white mind. privilege. Maybe, there. maybe it is. The Five number of white people guitar who, strings. The number of people in who... white jeans that he, he wears them tight. That percentage goes up as the age goes down. The younger the consumer the more likely they are to care they're, about those sort of they're things. They're looking on the website to see if they've made a stand. They they have in, really internalized the voting with your dollar mantra of a lot of things. That's why you see the the targeting of advertisers. They're they're aware of the financial power of collectives. Well, that's interesting. That's a change, you know. And maybe is it for the better or worse? I I I never have, and I doubt that I'm going to change at this point in my life. I don't think about the politics of the companies I do business with. I just it never crosses my mind. But the next generation, it might be very important to them. Uh, 30% of CEOs say revenues have already recovered or never dropped. Well, this is Fortune magazine, so they're trying to have a positive spin, right? Um, 30% of CEOs say revenues have recovered or never dropped. Well, that's only 30%. That leaves out an awful lot of companies that they did drop and have not recovered. And some say won't recover in the foreseeable future, only 4%. But almost half expect the recovery to recur between... 
January 21 and June 22. So they uh, they put the bad news at the bottom, but almost half of the CD- CEOs think the recovery won't occur for like a year and a half. <laughs> Not good. No, no. Uh, I thought this was interesting. 77% of CEOs say their company's digital transformation was significantly accelerated during the economic crisis. So I, that, that rings so true. Sure. So you were headed toward this with computers and Skyping and all this sort of stuff, and then all of a sudden, the highest priority, get this going right now. Well, and listen, there's there's a lot of inertia, or call it momentum if you want, in business. Momentum! And in, <laughs> momentum! That's right, the president. I'm playing in a golf tournament this weekend. That's our team slogan. Momentum! And But you got to shout it. <laughs> or write it in all caps like the president did. But there's a certain amount of momentum in business. Things exist just because they have existed. They're going to do tomorrow what they did yesterday just because they did it yesterday. And with lots of people either furloughed or or at home is a little less significant. But a lot of businesses are finding out, you know, it was a little better with the furloughed people here, but not that much better. Mm. I think we just won't bring them back. Mm. You're going to see sustained unemployment for that reason for a long time. And you could argue that it's making businesses leaner, meaner, more effective uh, in some cases. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's really going to delay the bounce back. Because they had to find out just how important all of us were, and some of us, not so much. You're talking about us? Oof. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. You guys need to cool off because this is not the time. We can't handle a world war right now. We're already dealing with so many things. Coronavirus, economies are tanking, global protests are happening, and at any minute, more Hollywood actors could release one of those black and white videos. Oh, um, uh, China. oh yeah, that's right. I've got one of those that's just terrible we need to play later. One of those, I'm a celebrity, you should take me seriously videos. Apparently, word has not penetrated their thick, thick film of self-importance that nobody wants that. China versus India it seems calmish for right now, I hope. Uh, the third and fourth biggest militaries in the world squaring off, killing each other over the weekend. Well, this common time is when they put more nails in the bats. Yeah, and apparently. geared up for the next battle. Well, yeah, I heard it described by a pretty sober commentator as a gang war. That they're huh. just, they, they, they patrol, they see each other occasionally, they, you know, maybe shout stuff at each other, and they hate each other just because they're on the other side. And these guys just, they, they erupted into fists and, and sticks and whatever, and they beat the hell out of each other. God, I was listening to... And, a- and the Chinese side won. I don't know if the Indians were outnumbered or just aren't good in a fight or what. I hadn't meant to talk about this, but I was listening to a podcast yesterday with one of what I'm told the the, the best Chinese experts in uh, in America are think tanks, constantly in communication with uh, with the Chinese, uh, you know, military, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, and this woman said they are going to move on Taiwan. It's just a matter of when she's going to move on Taiwan. And she said she's talked to people in the Chinese military who have said, what's America going to do? They can't stop us at this point. Right. Their belief is we don't have the will or the ability to stop them from doing that. 
They don't think we've got the military might to stop them from doing something like that. Honestly, I agree on both counts. And she said, whether they're right or wrong, it's a big dilemma. Because they could be wrong, but that means they're still going to do it. Yeah. And uh, Right. And it'd be a heck of a thing to find out, you know, who's right. One of our emailers referred to uh, President Xi as Winnie the Pooh's stunt double. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> stunt double, uh, which I thought was very funny. Um, yeah, the well, in terms of could we stop them, I say no, because with all due respect to the might of the American Navy, it's like um, if, if uh, I don't know, uh, Staten Island were a, uh, a rebel uh, territory of the United States. I mean, we could we could decide. All right, let's take it right now. And ten minutes later, we'd be overrunning it. And if some other country was unhappy about it, well, they wouldn't be able to get there in time. It'd be fait accompli. Then you'd have to like invade it and get it back. And there's no way we have the will to do that. You know, this fits in a little bit. We we're going to talk about. We would just uh, s- sanction uh, the Beijing out of them. Uh, for the next 10 years or whatever. That could be our only response, if I'm going to be honest about it. Boy, then what does that look like, like on the... crazy cyber warfare. And I'm what like... does that say to the world? What does that look like on the world stage? That is an announcement that, okay, there are two co-equal militaries out there. Isn't that just a statement of that? No, no, I don't think so. Just because of the geographic reality of it. If you ever look at a map, I mean, China's this enormous country, and then you squint your eyes and, and you see Taiwan is this little island that's right next to it. I mean, right there. And they go, but they just gobble it up. Now, will we let them fully militarize the South China Sea? No way. They've wanted Taiwan for 75 years. It's always been a tiny speck right off of China. They right. didn't take it before right. because they didn't think they could, according to this person's interviews with military people. Right. Yeah. They can now. Yeah. So that's a uh, that's a change in uh, in situation. Um, and we, it kind of fits in with the Bolton book we're going to talk about a little bit. The Wall Street Journal, of course, they picked out a uh, part of the Bolton book where he said, oh, oh, some things that were somewhat flattering to President Trump. Don't want those to sneak into the media. Right. But uh, on uh, how you know he's happy that Trump recognizes the situation with China. Um, and uh, Bolton's way more, you know, hawkish that direction. Mm-hmm. And he talks about past presidents and that sort of stuff. But he was uh, he was on how we. Everybody understands this now. Uh, Secretary Gates talked about it yesterday in an interview. The world made a bet that if we let China run f- run free their econo- with their economics, screwing everybody around the world, at least as their economy grows, they'll become nicer and all that sort of stuff. Didn't work. Bad idea. <laughs> it's over. Didn't mm-hmm. help at all. All they no. did was build a very frightening military with a very frightening attitude. But this expert, With our money. This expert, she said... <clears throat> The idea that they would uh, that they that the the middle class would take over and they'd open up and they'd get calmer was was wrong. She said what was also wrong and in retrospect really wrong is this idea that you can tell somebody we're going to allow you to be number two as long as you want. Hmm. You can be a good solid number two. That's what we're doing. Doesn't that make you feel good? Nobody feels good being told <laughs> we're going to allow you to be second best. Nobody had, actually wants to be vice president. I had, I had I'd never, take that deal in a second. I had, <laughs> I had never thought of it that way before, but that was what, what the United States was saying to China. We're absolutely in favor of you becoming number two. The second best economy and the second best this and the second best that. Mm. And they, they thought, we're not interested in being number two. We want to be number one. So. Yeah, I suppose. Maybe, I, I, you know, I'm not sure I buy that argument because there are plenty of countries that seem fine with being number 17. But maybe if you're number two, you smell number one and, sure. and, and you want to be it. 
Uh, but yeah, what's interesting is China's wealth enabled it to double down on its uh, aggressive totalitarian impulses. It was the opposite of what all of us hoped would happen, you know, back in the great opening of China uh, dialogue uh, or, or, you know, the narrative. So the Bolton's uh, book is coming out any day, although the Justice Department is suing him, saying he, he violated his uh, nondisclosure agreements and the rest of it. But so much of it is leaked out, it's it's become a moot point anyway. Uh, so, you know, a couple of things bother me about the coverage. Number one, Bolton thinks Trump isn't good at foreign policy and doesn't know enough about it. Okay, if if you either agree or you don't agree or you think, well, he's still better than the alternative, that's fine. What bothers me about the coverage of it is that it's it's like a game of telephone. It the things that the book actually says are getting characterized and recharacterized um, in the media. For instance, um, one passage that's just getting flogged is uh, Bolton writes that Trump was quote pleading with Xi to ensure he'd win uh, the reelection. But Bolton said he could not print the president's exact words because of the government's pre-publication review process. So pleading with Xi to ensure he'd win, what did he actually say? I mean, if if he said, you know, it would really help our farmers, that would help me politically, I could get reelected, we could keep going down that path. I don't find that particularly obnoxious or or wrong. Bolton says Trump was was obsessed with getting reelected to the exclusion of, like, America's good, what would really serve America. I, I don't know. That's Bolton's opinion. That would be in the eye of the beholder on an instant-by-instant basis, but you remember the famous Obama video of I'll have more freedom after the election. He was not doing something that would hurt his re-election chances right. and telling the leader of Russia that I'll do, I can do it after the election, but I can't do it now because it would hurt my chance of getting re-elected. Right. Lots of presidents have done that. That's and the- a very common thing to do. Might be unfortunate, might be an extreme, you might cross a line where it's extreme, but I don't know, I'd have to know the instance-by-instance right. decision. Right. Um, and the other one that, that bothered me is that in the book, Bolton says, he, he's asked, what did Putin think of Trump? And Bolton says, I think Putin thought he could play Trump like a fiddle. Which evolved on NBC News and NPR this morning to Bolton thought Putin could play Trump like a fiddle. When Bolton was describing what he thought Putin thought. And Putin thought he could play Obama like a fiddle and he thought he could play George W. Bush like a fiddle. He's a pretty good fiddler too, by the way. Putin. I'll put a fiddle of gold against your soul if you think you're better than me. I don't. I'm pretty bad. Um, here's the part that I hate and why I don't really want to discuss this at all. A fiddle of gold, you say? Yeah. Oh. I, I would, wouldn't that be incredibly heavy? You wouldn't think it'd be resonant at all. <laughs> Can we just do like a cash bet? <laughs> I mean, if, if I'm getting into some, if I'm like, uh, come up against some golf hustler, he thinks he can beat me. I'm not going to play for solid gold golf clubs. <laughs> They'd be heavy. Here's what I hate about all these books, though. and It's I hate, slippery I, when you're sweating. <laughs> I hate discussing these books. I hate all these books, and, and not just the political ones, because there's been lots of them. People who only do the right thing when they're going to profit from it, and it happens all the freaking time. Oh, yeah. Whether you were on the uh, bicycling team with Lance Armstrong <laughs> or, your, or your FBI director, Ray... And uh, you, you uh, remember he said in the 60 Minutes interview they were considering uh, invoking the 25th Amendment or whatever that is to remove the president. Because he's crazy. Which wasn't even in the book. 
but you said it on television to sell the book. Right. So, and, and then Bolton saying the impeachment inquiry missed other troubling episodes. Then show up to the impeachment inquiry and tell the, the people trying to impeach the president what happened. You think these things are so damaging. You think the guy is so unqualified. You had the opportunity right. to play a role in removing him. Then do it, you freaking weasel. The- these people are such low lives. Yeah. Yep. Well, and- even if you want to make all the arguments that what he says is true, fine, go ahead. I don't care. But he is a weasel of the most weaselly character. <laughs> He's saying the most powerful man in the world is not fit for the office. It's obvious you had a chance to play a role in removing him, and you didn't. Why? Because you're going to make more money if you waited and put it in a book. That is so so unpatriotic. Yeah, I know. You shouldn't be held up as anything but a disgrace. That's embarrassing. It is fairly amusing the way the Democrats are holding their nose while they tout the book and what he says, because they are so angry at him for holding off, holding back until his book was out. Because they wanted him to testify at the uh, ridiculously rushed and showboaty uh, impeachment thing. And he just, nah, I'm not uh, busy that day. He just wouldn't cooperate in any way. Wouldn't testify. Didn't say a word. Comey did the same thing. Lots of them have done the same thing. Sure. If you have something so, Tillerson did the same thing as Secretary of State. You have something so damaging that's going on behind the scenes, then you you call the Washington Post or you, you get a bunch of microphones around you and you say it out loud. You resign in protest or something. Be a freaking patriot if that's what you actually believe. Or did you not think it was that big a deal and you've oomped it up a little bit to sell a book now? How do I know? That one. That one. Bingo. What's the, the disconnect is the, the portrayals are so dramatic in the books and so black and white and so horrifying. If they were that way, you would have said something or done something if you're a real patriot as opposed to a, you know, would be a star author. And so either these people are morally reprehensible, as you were suggesting, or the stuff in a book is jazzed up and made extra exciting. And at the time, you were thinking, oh, I don't think this is a good decision, but eh, he's the president. We'll see how it goes. Man, if it's true, you gotta, you got to resign and go to a microphone and tell people. Right. I just, I don't, I don't get that. You know, I suppose if a, well, no. I think you do get it. I think you've explained it quite nicely. You it's can't relate more, to it. It's not more complicated than that. No, no, I, I don't think it is at all. Book publisher calls you and says, you know, if you laid this out in book form and we had a real big build up to it and we time it right, you can make six million dollars. Oh boy, I'm working on my Jack Armstrong's a rotten human being book right now. I'm going to get my first draft started. Uh, Taco Bell employee fired over Black Lives Matter mask. Uh, I think this wearing is wearing it or not wearing it or. Employee employee wore it, got fired because it goes against uh, goes against her policy. But the manager who intervened is in big trouble and political trouble. And so uh, the reason I think this is a story is because every company in America could be dealing with this situation Which today is or next week. Why they're frantically virtue signaling? Yeah, a little more on that coming up. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Some of our favorite syrups are under the gun. I hadn't. I I don't believe I'd ever thought for a second about Aunt Jemima, and it going away is fine with me. I don't care. I just 
I've 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 had Aunt Jemima syrup my whole life, but I'd never put a th- any thought into any of it. Name your corn syrup something else. That's fine. Um, but if it has racist origins or or whatever, I you get rid of it or whatever. But so um, then I heard Mister Mrs. Mrs. Butterworth is under pressure now, and Conagra Brands. Uh, this is according to Chicago Business is uh, reviewing Mrs. Butterworth's uh, imagery. And I thought, what's Mrs. Buttersworth? I mean, I could picture Aunt Jemima, and I mm. thought, okay, I guess that is that racist or racial or whatever. It's a black woman on there. I don't even know what it is. I've never thought about it. I don't think about these things. Maybe some of you do. Well, here's what it says in the in the business report about this. Uh ConAgra Brands announced the review of its Mrs. Butterworth's brand hours after rival syrup and pancake mix brand Aunt Jemima said it was removing the imagery of a black woman from its packaging. Mrs. Butterworth's origin and race have never been specified by the brand, mm. but the dark coloring of the, of the syrup in the clear bottle gives yes. many people the idea she is meant to represent a black woman. Yes, clearly. What? Syrupy, blackish darkest kind of yes obviously because it's a clear bottle and syrup is the color it is <laughs> there's an assumption that it might be a black woman and if it were a black woman it why can't it be a black woman i feel like some of this like i said yesterday i feel like if you introduced aunt jemima today you could spin it as well what we're saying is you know black moms had great recipes back in the day too Right, it's it's uh, not affirmative action, but it's... I feel like if right. Mrs. Butterworth was obviously white, there'd yeah. be pressure for, oh, only white moms can have great syrup? Right. Because yeah. there's, there's no claim of Mrs. Butterworth being a slave or anything. Man, there's I've, no claim of it being anything. I've eaten uh, in a couple of uh, black-run diners in D.C. that that is the best food I've ever had in my life. So, yeah, I would think, yeah, heck yeah. Is that what they're going for? I don't know. Uh, you know, Jack, anything. I've always assumed that the uh, the honey bear... Uh, which is, you know, the honey container that you squeeze the honey out of that's bear-shaped. I've always assumed it was a grizzly because it was roughly honey coat. No, I haven't assumed anything. I used to do a hilarious bit for my kids with the honey bear, though. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. And what would it be? Oh, great is memories. Like I, that, I wish uh, I had a video of it. Is it like that movie with... Uh, which movie is that? With the talking bear, Ted? Oh, no. Oh no! It's pretty dirty. Oh no! Pretty, the pretty bit is foul. nothing was like, like that. The, the Revenant, where Leo fought a bear. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not really. I would uh, the honey bear. It's important that some of the honey was missing from it, and uh, and I would have the honey bear walking and talking on the table and doing a character voice and all, and then I'd say, uh, then I'd have the honey bear whirl on one of my kids. You looking at me? Why are you looking at me? That makes me so mad. And then I'd squeeze it, and the honey would rise up and cover his face like he was turning red with anger. Quit looking at me. Ah, cracked him up. Ah, the honey bear bit. Mrs. Butterworth's syrup was introduced in 1961. The syrup comes in a bottle shaped like a woman. The character talks and seemingly springs to life. Mm, mm. A woman shaped like that needs to get to the gym. Shaped like wow. a woman. Wow. Now body shaming. I've, I've known plenty of women. They're not shaped like that bottle. Piling on the racism with body what? shaming. No, I'm not. Wake up. <laughs> Thank you. That's Joe Biden there, folks. More on that to come. Yeah. Um, uh, Mrs. Butterworth claims <laughs> that they're just trying to evoke the images of a loving grandmother. We stand in, the, we stand in solidarity with black and brown communities. The <laughs> fact that they feel the need to even respond to this. It's not even a... It's not a person. It doesn't have a color. It's not in anything. Right. Might somebody think we might have thought maybe back in the day because of the color of syrup? All right. 
So I'm trying to decide. Uh, one of our beloved listeners turned us on to, well, emailed us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, to a, a Tracy Morgan bit on Saturday Night Live a number of years ago. Uncle Jemima's Pure Mash Liquor. <laughs> I haven't. I've heard that well, one, but it's funny. I just, I just watched it, uh-huh. and it, it is indeed funny. What year did it air? I think originally uh, double lot. I think the, the year two thousand. And it's still on YouTube. And and yes. Saturday Night Live controls all your SNL clips on oh, YouTube. Yeah. They they only yeah. allow them on there if they want them on there. Right. Um. And it it seems partly to be mocking the like Disney Song of the South image of of black folk in mm-hmm. the South. But it's also rather a hard-edged, like, uh, well, how do I how do I put this without uh, ending my career? It's rather critical of old black drunks too, hmm. in that Tracy Morgan way. Um, and it's it's quite funny, but uh, I don't know if we do it ourselves any good. To, well, you uh... maybe Google it, Uncle Jemima. No, I'm sorry, Bing it. Google is evil. Uh, Uncle Jemima's pure mash liquor. So we'll get to Joe Biden came out of his uh, spidey hole yesterday and gave a little speech, and some people think he sounded a little low energy. We'll let you decide. And uh, the Taco Bell thing, we have audio from the manager dealing with the employee with the mask. Is that what that is, Sean? And uh, Oh, boy. You might be dealing with this at your workplace. Oh, soon, so. boy. Armstrong and Getty.